The following podcast is equivalent to a TVMA rating, thanks to the author's strong and frequent use of adult language and graphic recollection of her sexual escapades. We strongly advise listening alone or with an extremely open-minded, politically incorrect companion, such as a gay bestie. Welcome, everybody, <laughs> to another episode of How Bitches Are Made. Um, I have to tell you guys, because it was recently brought to my attention, if you are listening to this, it's probably because it just came out and you're thinking this is the most recent episode. But what you might not realize is that we've been releasing two episodes a week. So um, the stories that are scripted that we reference in our deep dives, this is a deep dive episode. So before you continue listening, you want to make sure that you listen to the episode that came out before this, um, which is the actual story that the deep dive is referencing. In this case, that episode would be called Crash Course. And this is the deep dive for Crash Course. So put on your scuba gear, make sure you got plenty of oxygen, because we're going into a deep dive. <laughs> I'm a little this. low on oxygen. I don't know if you heard me in that whole like speech. I was like... <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about in the bathroom. When, did when you... I peed? Oh, I thought it was almonds. Speaking of, okay, let's talk about almonds. That was one of the things that I put, wrote down in my notes. <laughs> All right. Okay, so a lot of people don't know this. I certainly didn't. So no one's going to believe me when I say this. I didn't have any nuts or chocolate until like my mid-20s. Basically when this story took place, the first part of the story in my 20s, that was one of the first times I'd had almonds. No one ever Why believed me. You just thought I just, they were weird? I just like didn't think I liked chocolate or nuts. And then my friend Blake Barris... I remember his apartment in Silver Lake. He was like, oh, do you want some almonds? Because I was hungry. And I was like, I guess I'll try them. I just started eating a little bit different. And I thought they were like popcorn. I couldn't stop eating them. Yeah, they're so, delicious. They're so good. When so, you were just eating raw almonds, right? They weren't roasted or like I had no idea or, what he gave me. Right. So when I went to Whole Foods to buy my own almonds, I went to like the bulk mm-hmm. thing, which I don't even know if they have anymore, honestly, especially no. since COVID. But yeah, not COVID times. Um. I just got, I just got them and they were raw. Well, after I'd gotten the illness and had the hospital visit and all that stuff, I went back to Whole Foods and there was a new disclaimer up next to the raw. Actually, when I went back, they were empty. Like there were no almonds. And then when I went back the next time, there was a disclaimer and it was full again. And it was saying that there's a bacteria in raw almonds that basically causes foodborne illnesses. So I pulled this up while we were listening to this episode back. It's like a salmonella. Wait. No, that's exactly what it is. How how did you get through childhood? Like, did you ever have a Halloween? It's where you dress up and like yeah, people give I gave, you candy. Yeah, I gave all the Snickers and... and stuff to my sister and she gave me the Skittles and oh my. Starburst and Milk Duds. And... I wish we were best friends back then. <laughs> and I, I would have been so fat. It was kind of so cool. happy. <laughs> so fat. <laughs> It was kind of cool because as I grew up, it was like trying new things that had been around forever. It's been really well, that's fun. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah. Remember, what did I have with you for the first time recently that you couldn't believe I hadn't had? I don't know. Was it something like candy or was it No, like for a sure it was meal? candy. Come on, it's us. Oh. What else do we eat? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's like actually can... contemplating. 
episode three, oh, the deeper I think, dive. I honestly, I feel like candy. it may have even have been Rocky Road because I was like, oh, I, I didn't like brownies oh, because brownies yeah. had nuts in them. Same thing with banana bread. Oh, that was our guess at the Airbnb. They left Rocky Road and I was so excited. I was like, oh man, I didn't like Rocky Road when I was a kid. Because I thought it was weird. Like ice cream shouldn't have nuts and stuff. I feel like a lot of kids don't. Yeah, exactly. It feels like too healthy or something. It was like a grandpa thing. But uh, (laughs) that was actually terrible Rocky Road, though. I was very disappointed. Yeah, it was. It was like stale almost. Um, It tasted like watered down to me. Yeah. It was very strange. Watered down stale ice cream. Oh. (laughs) I was like, you got to look at Finn right now. (laughs) Um, Our dog loves ice cream. Any cream. Whipped cream. You're All right. The he heard, he heard the out. word cream and yeah. now he's like, come. Okay. So, uh, that's funny. I cut myself off. I said, and now he's like, come, I was going to say like, come over, but I just stopped yeah. it at come, which also makes sense. So <laughs> he's neutered, but he's horny. Um, okay. So the, it, it is actually because of salmonella going back to the almond oh. thing, but, um, they had so many outbreaks and I looked because I was like, when was this? And it said in the early 2000s, but this story was so long ago that I feel like that was around that time. Right. Yeah. Like, God, it Everyone was... was so worried about peanuts. Like I, I almonds know. were the sneaky killer. I know. They have this thing now in California called the almond rule, which means that um, almonds have to be pasteurized. And according to this article on NPR, they say that uh, it's the only nut that is required to be pasteurized. Which I find also interesting. Where do almonds come from? Like, is it a Trees. tree? It is a tree. Oh, I thought okay. you were asking no. jokingly. And that's <laughs> no. why I responded jokingly. All nuts but come yes. from trees, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Or, I mean, I think so. I don't uh, know. I'm not into agriculture. I mean, I'm just asking because when I found out how asparagus was grown, I blew How's my mind. How's asparagus grown? It's grass. What? It literally looks like grass. Like, you'd look out and, you know, just uh, blades of grass. That's asparagus. Like... <laughs> In its form. I was like, what? That's I guess, crazy. I guess it makes sense when you, you think about it. like kale or barley or wheat or... Yeah, just take the lawnmower out there, you know, check the bag afterwards. I mean, we're, or come Sorry. to our house because in a decade, I'm pretty sure as Kevin said, he wants to start uh, living off the land. We'll probably have all the crops in our wallapini. Yeah. Yeah. Wallapini. Yeah. Look it up. Um, okay, it's going to so be awesome. That covers my almond thing. The other thing I wanted to mention, just because I really don't want to fucking hear about it. I'm sorry, guys. I wrote this story way before COVID. So I just wanted to acknowledge that in case people are overly sensitive and getting all offended. Like, just know I wrote this in a different time. Yeah. And just know if you eat almonds, you have to, you know, have it pasteurized. And if you eat asparagus, your pee will smell for a few hours. (laughs) Okay. So one of the things that... I was I was curious about now because of COVID, if people listening to this would think the story was as fucked up as I remember it being at, in the moment and still kind of feel it was now. Um, but watching you listen to it, you I did mean, think it was fucked up. Well, immediately when like they wouldn't drive you home. Like, they would drive like, me to a hospital. I wanted to go to a hospital. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, you can drive home. It's no, they were totally home. downplaying my out. illness, which it's funny. I'm like, so you're downplaying my illness, but you think it's serious enough to freak out to where you don't want to be around me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was like, what the fuck? But it's the sad truth that. is, is like, I've had a ton of like digestive issues since I was little. I mean, if you guys have been listening to every episode of this podcast, you remember even a couple weeks ago when I was talking about a recent endoscopy I've had. Like, I've, I've just always had... 
And as I've recently learned, I'm so annoyed. I can't have kale anymore because that's like the worst thing for people with like digestive issues, which sucks because I genuinely enjoy raw kale. Well, Um, especially that salad where it's chopped up super fine. It's not like most people back in the day thought vegans were crazy because I have this hard stock of what is this crap? Yeah. Well, I, I guess what I've come to learn about my body is that it's just super sensitive to bacteria. So right. like, like well, and leafy greens, right. And, and leafy greens are the number one cause of, um, food poisoning, which I've had like way too much for one person, but at least I'm understanding that building now. up immunity. towards Well, maybe. I don't typically wash my fruit and veggies and I've, I now will wash my greens because of how many times I've gotten food poisoning, but I still don't really wash my fruit because I think a little dirt is good for you. Well, and it's very nice being out here in Joshua tree because a lot of it we get from the farmer's market, you know, it's like not the pesticide ridden, you know, like just shipped across country. (laughs) Yes, that's true. I guess like I never, I had this one friend who um, was a hypochondriac, like truly. Mm -hmm. And she was the one that was like, how could you, how can you not wash this? And she was the one that told me you're, you're not washing it from like bug poop and dirt. You're washing it for the pesticides. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's probably smart. Yeah. But anyhow, um, so I was happy to hear that you thought it was fucked up because I thought it was fucked up. Even at the time I thought it was fucked up. I can't explain to you the logic I had as a 20-year-old, probably because brains are not fully developed until we're 25. So I just wasn't fully developed. But I was friends with these girls for a very, very long time, too long. And they were very toxic to me in the end, and it ended up creating a toxicity in me, which is not me blaming. It's I had a part in that too. Um, it's a two-way street, but excuse yeah, me. If the tables were turned and you, you know ushered them out of your place feeling that way oh all i never i never would have no saying you had though right that would be like they would take that as the biggest insult friendship like you know they would be well sure because it's all about them right which is there are people that are totally all about them and super selfish and everything that they do is to protect them and preserve their um their well-being and but do unto others Yeah, there's a healthy balance. I mean, look, you can protect yourself without being a dick. Like, you know what I mean? But but the thing is, I never would have done that. And and this is a point I don't I have in my notes that I want to hammer home, but I don't want to ruin the sequence of my notes here. So I'll just like touch upon it and then we'll go back. But this is kind of the way you develop a litmus test for your friends. Like right away, I should have been like, well, I don't want to be friends with people that don't value me as a human enough to not care enough about my well-being to make it a little bit inconvenient for them. Because I would do things like, for instance, this is great because I didn't know if I'd get to talk about this, but we, we do. I went to LA this weekend to get Finn's teeth cleaned at this place that we usually go to because Our people... Dog. Yeah. Finn, yes. Right. Sorry. Just Finn. In case that, that was very self righteous of me. But we went to, I went to go get his teeth cleaned at this place because nobody does non anesthetic dental cleanings here. I've been going to this place for over a decade with my dog that we lost last year, Murphy. And Finn's been there too. And before we went, I had told them, you know, it's going to be about a two and a half hour drive. We're coming to see you. Like, please let me know what he needs. And they said, oh, he needs certain vaccines, what we don't have on file. Makes sense. He hasn't been there in a couple of years. Okay, great. What vaccines do you need? They tell me. Awesome. Send it to him. I get a call two different days before the appointment leading up to the appointment. Hey, we still haven't received Over your like vaccine. Over like a month. 
Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, we still haven't received your vaccination um, certificates. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. I uploaded them and I emailed them. Can you just stay on the phone with me? I'll try sending them again and make sure you get them. Well, she never got them. She's like, just bring the hard copy in when you get here. Okay, great. So I drive in two and a half hours to get three his teeth cleaned. Well, yes, it yeah. ended up being three and a half of traffic. But what also happened was I have a friend that's always colored my hair. I used to work with her at Outback before either of us had careers in our fields of choice. And I've always gone to her. And it's my time to catch up and hang out with her also. So it's a great incentive for me to, to go get my hair colored that far away. And she's in Ventura. So the plan was, hey, I'll kill two birds with one stone, drop Finn off, go get my hair colored after. Well, she had called me a couple nights before and she had two friends in the ICU that passed away. And so understandably, she wasn't up to doing my hair. And we were going to try to reschedule it, but because Finn's teeth could not be rescheduled, she didn't want me to have to drive multiple times, whatever. So there, anyway, there was, there's a lot of logistical aspects to this story, right? Long story short, we get there after two and a half hour, three and a half hour drive. And they tell me, oh, we can't take him because he doesn't have two of these other vaccines that we never told you about. Of course, they didn't say that. They were like, of course we told you about them. And I'm like, no, you never did. I would have made sure that I had everything before I went in a car ride this long. So it was a total effing waste. And the only, like, I was so fucking livid that the communication was so bad. And it wasn't just that. It was the way they treated me. They didn't say hi. Everyone's turning into a fucking robot because we're not in communities physically anymore and it's taking a toll so I was I was fucking livid and mostly also because I had this friend who is in serious grief and she had rearranged her whole schedule to accommodate me which was centering around this and so to kind of calm myself down I was like you know what this happened for a reason it's because Vanessa needs me I just need to go and be there for her even if we never get around to coloring my hair like truly, yeah. I'm just going to be with her. So I ended up staying the night with her. We got sushi. We got high. She was like, oh my God, I needed this break because I've been with my friend who passed away, his family for like seven days. I'm exhausted. And it, and it felt totally good to be there for someone else. Because Vanessa, oh God, she's been through so much. Yeah, it's so you're sad. true friends. Like you've right. been friends forever. And, yeah. Right. That, that like, that's honestly. That's what friends do for each other. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why she was with, the family for seven days she was right. there for them and but, right you know she wasn't getting anything even though it was her friend also you know it right was just a wallowing well what's so weird tough. about that is that like all of my friends now live at least two hours away from me and and i'm not including la into that i don't mean two hours away in la i mean outside of i don't have any friends except for one in la anymore right well everyone's moved yeah everybody's moved and honestly i will see them more because that, like when when we moved out here, you really do get to see who your friends are because those are the people that actually make the effort. Right. Yeah. So going back to how we got on this track, which is the litmus test, like you start to realize like, hey, if a friend won't even fucking take me to the ER, they're probably not a very good friend. And I would later come to find out that that's very true. But as I said, we'll go back to that before the end of this episode and I'll, I'll give you some rhetorical questions to ask yourself to kind of determine whether or not the friendships in your life are actually serving you or disserving you. Yeah. If you feel like you're at a restaurant and all your friends are at a buffet, they're probably just self-serving. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Damn it, I love you. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're going to, I'm going to turn this 
on to you a little bit because I'm going to talk about the car accident that happened in Crash Course or that didn't happen to me, but that happened. Um, yeah, I had a very similar experience and it's really strange because I feel like it was around the same year. Oh, really? Yeah, I feel like when you were talking about it, like mine had happened just around that same exact time. Mine was in the middle of the night, like 1 a.m., but crazy. And it was on the same freeway coming so, back to L.A. Before you tell your story, I'm, I'm just going to, excuse me, I'm going to burp and then I'm going to go into this. Um, what I want to do is kind of talk about the trauma versus drama. I explained to you what the difference was in the last episode, but um, to refresh your brain, if you've, you know, it's been a couple days. Um, a trauma is something that happens to you that you have no control over. And a drama is something that you choose to be a part of or not, or choose to have in your life or not. And one of the things that I think really struck a nerve with me and bothered me with Lorena's reaction to this whole experience was that she kept, she kept saying nothing happened to you. You're fine. And, you know, my friend Brooke, who you guys were introduced to, Last week, I believe, mm-hmm. um, in the episode yeah, titled What episodes, If and all oh, yeah. the acronyms you can think of, she had said that's called trauma scaling. Like when people try to one up you. Yeah. Right. And they're they're weighing like how their trauma is worse. So there's a couple and things. We all know those people. I mean. A ton of them. Yeah. Especially now. Like there's yeah. so much to unpack here. It's crazy. But um, that was my biggest issue with Lorena was saying that. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up is Kevin's story, what he experienced and how it affected you. And then I'm going to give an even more impactful comparison for people like Lorena who might be listening, not her, but people who are like Lorena who might be listening, um, to really understand what I'm trying to explain. So go ahead and and share your story. It, I mean, it brought me right back there to that moment because I knew I know exactly what you were feeling in that moment. You're you're helpless. It's something like we were just watching the news yesterday and it a small biplane, you know, flew into an apartment complex or whatever. And somebody's filming it and like, oh, my gosh, w- what the hell is this? Why are you filming it? Like, go and help. Well, what can you do? A plane went right into the. No, I know. I know. But you know? it's like it just feels like everything is turning into entertainment. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it. Yeah. Sorry, that was just a sidebar. But just like like you said, like if if you even could go back, like would you want to? You didn't know what you'd find. You you know were scared of what you would do in that moment. Right. You were saying right. So like it is trauma because you have no like you didn't choose to be there. You didn't choose to see this. But what's done is done. Just like the World Trade Centers and stuff. That's you know? what. Oh my like, god. I that's literally what I was going to bring up yeah. to be like more impactful, but, but it, I'll get into it. It's shock. You're just like, you yeah. know, completely dumbfounded and caught off guard. So it happened directly behind you. You saw it in your rearview mirror. You saw the guy's face. I had the exact same experience. I was driving home or back to LA from Northern California and it was 12, 1 AM, something like that. I got super late start. It was the middle of the night. But I was good. I was like well rested and everything. And so I'm driving and people are driving like crazy. There's a ton of like traffic and like it was probably like on a Sunday, people trying to get back for Monday, you know, mm-hmm. work or something. And all of a sudden I see this guy behind me and he is like riding up on people. He's swerving, you know, out of each lane and like trying to get around people. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? 
And then I saw the look in his eye. He, he looked like he was falling asleep. And it was like he was doing everything to just hold on to being awake. Except pulling over and taking a cat nap. Exactly. Yeah. So like you could tell he was like almost hitting people because he was like, you know, winking out a little bit. So anyway, I, I slowed down and he, he cuts me off and like, he's up, uh, one car. There were like two cars, um, in either lane. And all of a sudden I saw him completely turn over correct. And his car just started flipping. It's the so same scary. Cartwheel. Yeah. Seven, eight, 10 times, who knows, but he went off, off the shoulder to the right into a field. We're all slamming on our brakes, pull off to the side. It's only me and, uh, two other cars at that point. And then, you know, a thousand cars behind us. And I pulled off and there's somebody standing off to the side of the road. And I was like, where, where the fuck is he? Where'd he go? And everyone in that moment was, he's a goner. No, nobody could have survived that. All I could think is we need to help this guy. Like that, that was my instinct, just fight or flight. And I didn't know how I would, you know, act in that situation. But all I knew is if that was me, if that was my family member, if that was somebody like, fuck it, got to get there. Like, don't let this guy die alone, you know, out there. So I just start sprinting. (laughs) Sure enough, I come up on this van that is uh, sitting sideways. Not one person ran with me. I was screaming, like, for everybody to come. Like, you know, the more of us to get over there, the better. But as I was alone running through that field, couldn't see, you know, I was tripping and trying to get through, you know, um, off-roading. But as I got up there, I had that same moment. I was like, oh, my God, I just reacted. I didn't think about what this could do. Like, if I come up on some guy who was just, you know, ejected or dead or he had a family or kids or you know I didn't know what I was gonna see and I paused I was like this could ruin me for life it could yeah and I look back just people standing on the road they couldn't see me because I couldn't see the van you know when Mm -hmm. you were that far away and I was like I gotta go so I I went up there thank god he was alive I crawled up on top of the passenger side. He was uh, sideways against the ground, the driver's side. He was talking. He was mumbling. He seemed really disoriented, obviously. He had a, uh, his wrist was just barely hanging on, like his hand, his foot the same way. Everything shattered, clothes everywhere. I was screaming to him, like, is there anybody else in the car? Because just, it looked like he was moving. Like, just boxes of clothes and other crap just strewn everywhere. Nothing was moving inside other than him a little bit. And so I got my pocket knife out and the window was completely shattered, the the windshield, but it's got that cellophane in it. So I used my knife and I cut out the entire windshield and I started screaming to the people on the road that he's alive, but he spoke Spanish. He was a Mexican guy and I didn't speak good enough Spanish and he was mumbling and, you know, barely coherent. So as soon as everyone found out he was alive, they all came running to help. Yeah. Which, you know. But he that... may not have been alive if people like you hadn't gone up there. Oh, he could have. Yeah, he could have just bled out and died. I don't... They were a couple of guys. I, I held the windshield back and a couple of guys were able to get him out of there. Don't know if that was the best move, but, you know, at that point, there were so many people around. Did they... anybody call 911? I mean, I'm sure people did. People yeah. were very quick to call 911. Yeah, they did. And then it kind of turned into this thing where 
people were just looky loos and hanging out and like you know i was yeah. going to wait for the the emergency services but at that point i can tell them what i saw but it didn't really matter you know like there were tons of people who saw right. the same thing that i did right. you know and like what was i going to do there stand there and give my statement as like i ran out here first you know <laughs> but who cares yeah but i it's weird. i do well yeah but not to make you feel bad, you should have because you were the first person to get there and see him. So you might have recalled or seen things that other people couldn't that may have helped. But but like he lived and everything, right? I don't so think so. Yeah. Matter, could, but. Yeah. Well, I hope he lived. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, for me, that was I kind of the worst enough, part yeah. was like not knowing because I it I don't know how I don't know how to explain it. Like, I think for me, it was did I just was I the only person in the world that just witnessed his last moments? Like right. that's, it's weird to say this, but it's like a, it's like a heavy burden. It, not about you. Like, I really don't know how to explain this. It was just like, the reason why in the story I was saying things like I was strapped into my car, like flying down the freeway. It's because it was You're really helpless. to accentuate the helplessness that I had. It's like, and the reason why I wrote in my notes to reference 9-11 is because, as you know, I started on 9-11. I really feel like every American, as uncomfortable and hard as it is to immerse yourself into that experience again, I do think that we owe it to the heroes, survivors, and those that perished in that ordeal, in that horrific incident. I feel like we owe it to them to watch it because it's their story, it's our education, it's our history. It, it creates this level of gratitude and awareness and mortality that we always seem to lose every day we wake up, yeah. unless something like what we're discussing happens. Yeah. Um, and in ours, that, that's a trauma on a small scale, but why, just because more people and everything were involved in 9-11, that's a, that's a huge trauma, really, really giant trauma but if if Lorena had said oh I don't want to get into the drama involved in 9-11 drama yeah you'd are you be kidding lynched. me yeah like but and my, my whole point with referencing that is my sister's birthday is on 9-11 also so it's a little bit you know we we want to make her birthday a, a positive day and it's hard to do that but I think for me then I always kind of try to reserve 9-11 for her and then like 9-12 I start like doing the remembrance stuff. And so this year I watched uh, Hulu's series called 9-11 One Day in America. There are six episodes. They're about an hour long. And I totally forgot about this, but my friend April and I, I want to say it was like 2004. It may have been 2004, 2005 or six, somewhere in there. We went to New York for the first time and we went to the 9-11 museum which was very small at the time because it had, was very like recent wall, still yeah. and they had i remembered reading something on a placard like that they were going to be making a documentary and i was like oh my god i'm going to be looking forward to that totally forgot about it till i started this series and like the super that came yeah. up at the beginning was like we've been working on this for 20 years and i was like holy shit this is it it's taken yeah. them that long and i was just so invested in watching it and Here's what I have to say about this, which just is the whole thing. If you're someone that thinks like Lorena, I just want to really hammer this point home to you. So when you immerse yourself in something as traumatic as 9-11, I was not there. I did not have anybody I knew involved in it. 
But watching a documentary, which this documentary was so well done, I highly recommend watching it for everybody. Um, You should watch it. I almost feel like it's your fucking American duty, truly. But you're watching it. And for instance, at one point, you're hearing the thumps that the firefighters were hearing of people jumping out of the windows. And at one point in the documentary, they show a man in complete silence. Like there's music playing and then it stops and you think they're going to cut away before they show him falling. They show you everything, everything. It's And they even like give you an ex, an, an exclaimer. <laughs> a, disclaimer yeah. a disclaimer. I'm getting like so, I'm having a really emotional yeah. response right now. We're calling this, but um, they put a disclaimer at the top of each show. That's like, you're about to watch people suffering and mm-hmm. going through intense trauma. They put that there because that affects us to witness people witnessing or experiencing traumatic things that happen to them. And that's a digital signal on a TV. Correct. So for something to happen to you in real life, you can't devalidate somebody for what they feel. You just, you can't, you can't even judge them because you're not them. We're all wired so differently. And I cannot stress that enough. And we can want people to be better. And there's nothing wrong with trying to make them better. But it is not our responsibility to make them better. It's up to that person. So um, anyhow, going back to, to the shot with the guy that was about to jump off the window. They show, so the, the score is going and then all of a sudden it just cuts out and it's silent. And you watch the guy like having the final moment of his life, deciding to let go and then just fall for what feels like ever. That fucked me up watching. Yeah. I didn't even piece together that it was very similar to what happened with this car accident. Like, because it's one thing to see like a car rolling over, right? But I think like it was so close to my car that I felt like I was in his car with him. I was that close to his face. Well, he could have just T-boned you. But the fact that you saw the man's face, recognition like that is much different than what I experienced until I got to the car. Because he, like the guy who flipped in front of me, I saw a car, you know. Right, right, Just right. going over and over and over. It wasn't It wasn't a human being. I didn't right. see the eyes. I didn't see the fear. I totally I didn't see know the what you're talking about because that's right. how people have road rage. They don't see it as a person in the car. They yeah. see it as a vehicle, yeah. like, you're personally attacking yeah. them. Or, right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, which is interesting, a point that you bring up, because... I had that moment where I felt guilty. I couldn't go and check on him. Right. And then I had that moment where like, you had a connection well, could with I go like, check on him? Like, would I be strong enough to see that? Then I felt guilty because I was like, what, what if I couldn't? What if I'd gotten paralyzed and I couldn't? I don't think that would have been the case. But what I didn't think about was maybe seeing him would have made it better. Because your imagination is a fucking crazy beast. It's true. It yeah. can... So it wasn't until my sister-in-law told me that, yes, he was fine. He wasn't in critical condition that my depression stopped. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I can can move on. It was still upsetting to see, but knowing that he was fine, it was like I was over it. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And I wish, I wish I would have known you at that point because I would have had your sister-in-law also, you know, look into that one because I don't know. Yeah, he was right. he was in bad, bad shape and laying on the side of the road. I mean, not in, in the field. Uh, but yeah, I looked up, I looked up for hours and days, you know, trying to yeah, find you do that, that same accident. That's what accident. I was doing, yeah. Couldn't find anything on right. it. Not one news article, not one clipping, not one, you know, uh, public report, nothing. I was like, 
I really hope he survives. Yeah, it's it's a horrible it's a horrible feeling to be a bystander. It's a it's a obviously it's not the same kind of trauma that the drivers experienced. It's very different, yeah. but that doesn't make it a trauma, as you said. Yeah. And um, the one thing I did want to explain about trauma scaling also is this was this was something I feel I need to explain. So when I explain things like yes, like you just did, yeah, I know how you felt in your accident because this thing happened to me. I felt similar, so I imagine you felt at least a fraction of what I experienced. That's relating to someone. That's a form of validation. Lorena would constantly say to me that that was devalidating and that was annoying. And then when I did that, that was trauma scaling. And I was like, no, it could not be more different. I'm validating you versus saying my situation is worse, so you shouldn't have any feelings right. about yours right. because you should be grateful for what happened yeah, to you. You're just being selfish. That, you yes. Know, you think you even had the same experience I've had in life. Well, okay. Right. Everyone has their own experiences in life. Right. And I try, like, valid. when I talk to people, for instance, like Vanessa, when I just saw her and her two friends had died, and I was like, oh, I just had this horrible experience <laughs> with this dental cleaning. <laughs> like, I'm aware that those are not... N- anywhere near close to being on the same level of like yeah trauma well i mean what i went I through mean, was not trauma it at was all. drama yeah. but right exactly yeah. right the difference right like yeah. she was going through something real and i wasn't right. i was very mindful of any time i brought that up prefacing it by saying i'm like this is yeah. not like i'm very aware that and like is it okay wanna, if i even talk about this yeah if, yeah. You, want, if you don't want to hear this i <laughs> <Right>. get it <laughs> and her response to me is what i say to people when i'm in vanessa's shoes it doesn't matter what i'm going through because what you're going through is relevant to you and that's affecting you on a different scale than what i'm going through is affecting me but but what i'm going through should not make you feel like your problems aren't problems because they are problems for you right now. Right. So, and I got to be honest, like if I was going through a horrible trauma, I'd like to hear about your stupid little trauma because it's like, because <laughs> right. it makes you feel better. And what was the first thing I said? I came back home and I was like, I, I am so grateful mine. for our life. And, and that brings me to another point is I do want to say like, when, when big impactful things happen to you or someone else, or you're there for them, witnessing someone experience it, whatever, it does put things into perspective in a way where you re-examine the things in your life with complete a completely different lens. And so that's what happened for me at this point, which is why I called it crash course, because this was also a huge lesson in the energy in my life. Because all of a sudden I was looking like my life could have ended. Like how would, how looking back, like would I have been happy with what I did with my time? Or like, are there things, your priorities get realigned and redefined and I think in that moment especially given the way she reacted to me going through this I was like I need to these are not the kinds of people I want in my life it was like it hit me over the head I was like there needs to be a change because what I'm going through granted yes she had been through real accidents but I never had so for me this was a real accident that was the closest I'd ever come and rather than having sympathy for that it was like, you have no right to feel that way because this happened to me. And, and the reason I keep reiterating this is because I want to be very clear for our listeners, whatever side of the spectrum you're on in this, please look at it and do some reflection and think about how you can be there more for someone, how you can be more self-aware and empathetic and sympathetic and also not so resentful and bitter. And devil's advocate, 
if you just have a whiny friend that always complains and it's it's more like crying wolf or whatever, and you're always there for that person, because I've been on that side where I'm there for somebody so much and all the time. Right. They're there for me, but it's like they just are drama. They have, they latch on to that negative, you know, stuff. You don't, you don't need to be there for them in a way that it's going to ruin your life. It's just these certain, like, Pick your friends wisely, I think. Yes. Because so, there's two spectrum, you know? Yeah. Like, so and that goes back to the litmus test, test yeah. which we can get into right now. But r- really quickly before that, I do want to acknowledge one other thing because you had even asked this when you were listening back to the episode. Oh, and right. So in case you were like Kevin, I want to clarify when I referenced my call with Lorena when I was stoned, um, he said, wait, was that like on when the 4th of July? When did that call take yeah. place? That call took place long after the 4th of July thing. And what, what had happened with the 4th of July thing is I was just, I was so bothered, right. That I was like, I need a minute to like, kind of think about how I want to move forward with this friendship. If I even do, cause it feels so dirty. And our friend Shannon, who I had referenced in my early twenties, she was no longer friends with Lorena. And she had told me, Oh yeah, I did the slow fade. Like she kind of just like kind of petered out of her life to avoid mm-hmm. confrontation. I don't like confrontation, but I do like to punctuate things, chapters in my life. And I need to be very clear about, am I done with this? Why am I done with this? How do I move away if I am? And I, I hadn't spent enough time determining where I was. So I was still taking time to think. And Lorena had kept calling me and I had kind of not been answering. And in doing that, even if I didn't call back for just like two hours, she started calling me more frequently and texting me more frequently. And, and the things that she was saying, like she was verbally abusive, like not my sister hasn't even talked to me like that. Just on the attack nonstop. It was like every call was more escalated. Every text message was more escalated. And Isn't so funny how that works. Like I know you have experience with that. Well, no, it's just funny how that works. That silence is like so aggravating to some people, you know, like what if, what if you drop your phone in like the lake, you know? Right. <laughs> ah, it's like, don't wait. create your Hi, own narrative. Are, oh, what are these voicemails? Where are these texts? This yeah. is horrible. Well, it's like, it's not like I was avoiding her as a tactic. I was taking space. Right. And, and really it wasn't to punish her. It was to just like really re-examine where I was. Yeah, and there's nothing you. wrong with that. There's a lot of power in that apparently. But, um, I was just like, Jesus, just let me fucking answer. And she was just coming in hot. I was like, I, I was, I was in guy brain. I was like, this doesn't feel good. So I'm going to stop doing it kind of a thing. And I just put the phone down. <laughs> it was the best feeling. And, and I that, laughed. I was like, Jesus, why don't I do yeah. that more? Is like that when she was rambling for like, that was when she straight? was going on and on and just yelling. And, and I, there was one, one point I didn't connect in the commentary of last week's episode also, which is when. She'd reference like when she was burglarized and those two girls were almost raped mm-hmm. and she was like, that shouldn't bother you. And it didn't happen to you. And I was like, yeah, but it's very close to home. And again, I've never had anything like that even be close to home. So that was very real and serious for me. I had to, when I left my house, all of a sudden I was leaving with knives and pepper spray. I never had to do that before. I was locking my door when before I didn't. So it, it did affect me in those ways. And I wanted so badly to lay into her and be like, hey, the way you're coming at me with this, it's kind of how I feel about you freaking out about a guy not calling you back. But I right. never make you feel bad about that because that's very real for you. That right. means something to you, even though I think it's fucking juvenile. Well, and devalidating her like that, it's not going to go anywhere. It's just no. going to become well, a tit for again, tat and like a... Not my place. 
Like it's not my place to common commentate, provide commentary on her life. And that, that again goes back to boundaries. That is a boundary that I have as a friend that I am not going to violate of someone else's. Like that's not going to do anyone good. So how do you give your friends this litmus test to determine whether or not there's someone that should stick around or be there for you or are a good friend? Feel free to throw in some questions. I don't know. Tell me. Okay. So these are some of them that I have, but Hmm. add on to them if you wish. So these were some things that came up for me listening back. It was like, how does this person make you feel? So from the very beginning, which you'll hear about later in this season, Lorena, it, it became very clear to me that Lorena viewed me as this like disgruntled, cynical grump who was who always had drama and darkness in her life. And I think because I was so acutely aware of that, anytime I was with her, I tried to be upbeat right. and not cynical. And I was like overly self-aware and self-conscious, which created this dynamic where I was always trying to serve her. Right. And so there was like this hierarchy in our, in our relationship or power or control dynamic that you should never have in a friendship. Well, it's so fascinating that like if she would have just held up a mirror to herself, like she was the one with the divorces and the, you know, all the, all the drama around. I want to, I want to say yes, but to be fair, I also had my own stuff. Like I was growing up and going through things also, but yes, like I would definitely say that it was, there was projection involved for sure. And I think that I was just too young, ignorant and naive to really um, be objective enough to see it as that. truth and I eventually did but then when you start to like notice these things and you start to kind of retreat or withdraw it can add fuel to the fire which in my case with Lorena specifically it did again you'll hear about that later um so like how do they talk to you I said that she was very verbally abusive she would actually yell at me her voice would raise multiple octaves like my therapist used to say this which I thought was so great She was like, I treat my children as individuals. Yes, I give birth to them, but that doesn't mean they're mine. They're my property. I'm not going to talk to them or treat their body like they're an an extremity of my own body. Meaning, I respect them as individuals. I'm here to provide guidance and parent them as best I can. But at the end of the day, they are their own people. Same with relationships. Correct. I mean, 100% if that's how the family dynamic is. So if someone is yelling at you, berating you, bringing up personal shit about you that they're privileged to know to make you feel bad or or use as weaponry and artillery, they need to go fuck themselves. I'm sorry, but that is so horribly inappropriate. Like, we don't even do that in a relationship. I mean, which, which still would not be good, but I'm saying like a friend doing that to you, to me, that's like a neighbor doing that to you. It's just like very inappropriate. Um, how do they respect you and your time? Do they? Do you feel like they do? Do they value you enough to prioritize you and your problems? Do they actually show up for you in the moments that truly fucking count? And when they do... Are they listening? Are they making it about them? Are they just there for the drama, the entertainment? Or are they actually there because they care about your well-being? Listen to what they say and how they say it. And, and how they're making you feel in those moments. Do they make you feel safe? Do you feel nervous? Do you feel reluctant to share things? These are all signs of hesitation that would indicate you're not 100% comfortable with that person. Why? Um, what kind of advice do they give you? 
Are they living their life in a way that you admire? I'm not talking about through an Instagram lens. They have this and they have that and this. Yeah, like, who they are I don't person. care if they're married and you want to be married. Are, are they in a healthy, good marriage? Do those two people in that marriage respect each other, treat each other well, talk to each other well? Is that the kind of dynamic you want for yourself to where you can trust that that person's giving you great advice? Yeah. Do they have the newest car and Rolex? <laughs> Right? Is that where we're going? He is kidding, in case you cannot sense his sarcasm. <laughs> but you know what? There, There is something I was going to say to that. Like, that old saying, find friends, family, whatever it is. Uh, see how they talk to a waiter. Yes. You know, at a nice restaurant or something. Because that waiter is a person. And if they're an asshole, it's because they think they're higher than that person. They're yeah. not looking at who that person is, what they've dealt with, where they are in life. That's that's a good lip. Also, another one is, are they looking in your eye? Are they looking around the room when you're talking? Are they on their phone? Is their phone even within arm's reach? Like, these are things, like, they're small things, but they're indicative of a really big message. Yeah, I don't trust people that don't look me in the eye. Yeah. You don't have to stare, like, creepily at me. No, no, no. (laughs) It's just like, like, you know, there were many times in L.A. where truly I would notice people, like, would I'd have them. And then their eyes would start darting away and I'd just stop talking and they didn't even notice I'd stop talking. And right. I was like, that's exactly why I stopped talking because I lost you and I know it. Oh, what right. were you saying? Never mind. Don't worry about it. I know now. You just told me who you are and yeah. I don't want to waste my breath anyway. on that. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and in that, in that regard, like, do you respect them? Look at how you talk to them and how you treat them. This is all about two parties having equal responsibilities in a relationship, right? So... Do some self-reflection as well. Do you have resentments with these people? Are you guys competitive? Do you genuinely wish them well or don't you? It was great being in LA acting because for me, there were friends that I had that were actors and I could tell how I really viewed them and how I respected them because if they were working like Levin Rambin, mm-hmm. I'm always happy when she books a job. Right. You're like, because hey, I'm girl. like, I like you. I want you to do well. I respect you. I know right. you hustle. I know you're great and talented. Yeah, you have likewise, a good head on your shoulders. You're a good person. I'm like, I want her to win. Yeah. But then if I'm friends with people and they get something, and I find myself going, why did they get that job? Like, I would have been way better. Oh, this is so annoying and so typical. <laughs> like, I don't, that's a problem with me, right? Right. Obviously, yeah. I'm, if I'm thinking of them that way. So pay attention to your own behaviors like that. Do you guys argue? How do you resolve, acknowledge, and address conflict with one another? Do you both listen to each other? Are you competitive? I said that. Here's the big one. Why are you friends? What is that friendship built on? How did you meet? Are you friends out of convenience? Are you friends because you're lonely and they're more of an acquaintance to you? There's nothing wrong with having acquaintances either, by the way. I think you just need to be very aware of how you file your friends because that will then determine and manage your expectations and what you share and divulge. Yeah, and people change. Like friends, you know, a reason, a season, or a lifetime right? type things. Uh, and it's like people getting into a romantic relationship. Sometimes you just get stuck and you're comfortable and you're like, ah, it'd be more work to, you know, actually have the fights and the arguments and get out of it. And then I'm gonna have to move and we're going to have to separate our stuff that we got together. Right. It's like more of an inconvenience, but yeah. you're not happy. You know, you're not. You and it will weigh on you. Believe me. Yeah, Again, I, I remind you to keep listening to the season so you can hear how this relationship ends. Um, okay. Yeah, and then, we're calling it quits. Um, <laughs> no, not ours. The Lorena's. Oh. <laughs> um, oh, 
More, okay, are you having more good times with them than bad or is it more bad than good? How do you spend your time together? What do you guys do? Do you gossip? That's not a good thing. I mean, gossiping is fine. We, you know, we believe in venting and getting our, our frustrations out. But if that's all you do, it's not good. Yeah. Or do you like trying to find the newest coffee shop or go to right. the beach or, you know, do something that's fulfilling? here's the thing i would say too if you if you guys are just like instagram friends like you go around looking for instagram posts that's cool but like i would hope that your relationship has a little bit more than that superficiality right um hey if that's your business and stuff we should get sure i mean exactly exactly um and then the final thing that i would say too is which you've brought this up to me before how do they hold you accountable? Like if you're going through a problem in a relationship, are they like, yeah, fuck him, fuck her. You know, you're in the right. Or are they saying, look, you're right. Here's what they did that I don't like. But do you think that maybe you could, like this was your contribution? That's actually a good friend, not a bitch. Yeah. Well, it is is a bitch. It's a good bitch, not a bad bitch is what I mean. It's not. There's a time and place for like a little bit of that, you know, like just because people need to vent and get it out. And then everyone needs to reflect, you know, why were you in yeah. this relationship? He wasn't always that asshole that you're making him out to be. What did you love about him? What changed in you? What changed in him? Like, yeah, we don't, dynamic. we don't want, I cannot stress this enough. We do not want to make ourselves the victim. First of all, true victims of crimes never refer to themselves as victims. They right. say they're survivors. Why? Because No one wants to be a fucking victim. It's not cool. Contrary to what everyone is telling you right now, don't fucking be a victim. You have responsibilities that you are not owning up to that result in the things in your life that you are not happy about. Yeah. Whether, whether Sorry, that's a, a bitter pill to swallow, but it's fucking true. Yeah, whether it's a trauma or drama, it happened to you or it's or you're making it happen or contributing to it. Stop right now. We're in the present. You can only go forward. You can't go backwards from here. So it's the choices that you make and how to deal with it, how to, you know, change it that are going to change your entire future. So here's a really great example, too, that I wanted to bring up. I'm glad this is making it into this week. So earlier this week before the whole dental cleaning in which I will be honest with you guys, I lost my shit. I didn't swear, though. I was very proud of that. Oh, that's good. I was very adamant about the ways that they were mishandling me in the situation, right? Mm -hmm. But I wish I'd handled it more like this. So earlier in the week, I was on the phone with an insurance lady and I was explaining to her my situation. I was switching insurance plans and I was giving her all the info she needed. And she said this to me. This is a reenactment. Ready? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Rachel, Rachel, stop. That's how a stranger over the phone talked to me, okay? Clearly irritated and like condescending. And then she goes, when was, when was, some, when was this email sent to you? Hmm. And I said, the 28th. And she goes, of what month? That's literally how she said it. And I was like, September. And then I go, ma'am, am I irritating you? And I said it exactly like that. And then she was like, hold on. She's looking at something, she goes, no, I'm sorry. It's my computer. She's like, I'm, I'm getting flustered by the things on the, I'm seeing on the computer. It's not making sense to me. I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have taken that tone with you. I should have never talked to you like that. I really apologize. And I was like, that's okay. I just like want to see if I'm irritating you, how I can make your job a little bit easier. 
And it was such a proud moment for me because I chose in that moment to set my ego aside, not engage in conflict, but step back and address her needs first. And what doing that resulted in was her doing some Mm self-reflection, apologizing to me. Like it totally diffused the whole situation, right? Because you could have been like, hey, why are you getting moody with me? Why why are you? And And then she would have been right And Kevin, normally I would. Would I not? I'm a fucking Aries rising. (laughs) I'm like, don't you talk to me like that. I will flip flip my bitch switch and I will go off. But like, here's the thing that we always talk about in this podcast, right? Being the badass bitch, you you always are composed. Right. And like, it was within my control to react to her how I wanted to. I couldn't control how she was treating me. Well, and when you told me this story, you said you had a feeling that like, you were already like upset or uneasy or something and you you preface that like, oh my God, if I have a bad phone call, this is going to ruin the day. And you took that, like, you took that premonition, if you will, to be like, okay, if something happens or it does go there. This is how I'm going to try to handle it. Because it's that foresight and like, you know, taking a breath. Whereas maybe if you didn't think that before making the call, you might've lit the powder keg, you know? Right. And, and look, who's to say that she wouldn't have responded the way she, she could have responded a different way where she just never apologized. And I'm sure I would have gotten more, had more attitude. But my point, my point with that story is we always have a choice of how we handle something. And so that's what I mean when I say that's your responsibility. I can want that woman to treat me better. I cannot make her treat me better. All I can do is choose how I'm going to react to the way she's treating me. So, um, yeah. and, and don't, don't be a doormat, but don't be a doormat. You know, right. you can give people chances. It's okay. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's all I've got for this episode. Everybody. That was a deep. I had a lot. I had a dive. lot to unpack there. Yeah. I felt. talked about nine eleven car accidents. Yeah. This, we and, talked about trauma. We yeah. talked about trauma. And so, um, I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> So as I keep reiterating and stating, like this season is is all about like breaking these ugly patterns in our life and removing toxicity from it. And so this this was the moment when I realized I had that aha, something is askew. And next week, um, we kind of continue that theme in the story of where I sort of become an observer of other people and like seeing seeing things I never saw before in a different way than I ever saw them and being like, oh, this is what I've chosen to surround myself with. It's, it's really cool. It's like taking a, it's like, I mean, it's like being stoned and seeing things in black and white. (laughs) I guess that's the best thing that I can say. I always see in color when I'm stoned. Do you? Vivid colors? Like kaleidoscope of colors. That's only when I take mushrooms. Oh. Yeah. Is that what I've been taking? Um, all right. What are you drugging me with? (laughs) All right. All right. Next so, um, yes, join us next week. We're going to have another new story for you called Grounded. Hee <laughs> oh. And um, thank you, Kevin, again for joining us this week. Thank you. This is wonderful. And thank, thank you, guys, you guys for listening. For listening. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow either us, either of us, we're at the Kevin Barrett and at the Rachel Melvin across all platforms. If you want to write us, tell us how we're doing. You can email us at info at howbitchesaremade.com. Again, we'd love to hear your stories, input, advice, feedback, etc. And make sure that you like, subscribe, and share with your friends. The more uh, big of an audience we get, 
you guys won't have to hear these ads as much. Or if you do, you will hear them in my voice instead of people that just all of a sudden interrupt and throw you off. So um, let's let's grow our audience and get the word out. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everyone. Oh, consistency is key. Stay bitchy, my friends. (laughs) 